Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Master the Mouse. Hit it, maestro. Welcome to episode 27 of Master the Mouse. I'm Aaron. With me, as always, is my buddy Griffin. Griffin, how are you? I'm good, man. It's episode 27. I don't know how you keep up with the numbers, but uh, we're getting there. Yeah, we are getting there. We're making this like a real thing that we continue to do. Yeah, 27 weeks worth. So yeah, good to be back. Um, Something very important happened right before we started recording. Uh, You and I both discovered that we are in love with the same drink. Yes, and it is, just so the listeners know, it, it's not like a mixed drink or anything like that. We've just went on a several-minute tangent about LaCroix. Yes, yeah, and we're not supported or sponsored by them, but uh, it's good to discover that we're like-minded on more more things than just Disney. Well, you know, in, maybe that should be a stretch goal for us, is that we should do this well enough to get sponsored by LaCroix. <laughs> that would be That would be magical, no doubt about it. Question of the episode brought to you by LaCroix. Oh, yeah. I, I could totally get into that. I would happily drink one as we were recording. As, well, I am drinking one as we record, so we got to step yeah. in the right direction. Yeah, we're halfway there. All right, Griffin. Hit us with the question of the episode. Okay. I'm not going to lie. This this is probably the most excited I've been for a question of the episode. Ooh, I'm excited then, too. So it's not overrated or under, underrated. I'm going to twist it just a bit like I did a few weeks back, and it's going to be a would you rather, okay? All right, I'm with it. All right, so you are in uh, Magic Kingdom, for instance. You have just finished watching Happily Ever After, the fireworks show, on a very busy day, and you would now like to go out of the park and go home. You have two options. So you're in front of the, the, you're in front of the castle, and you've got to turn around and go backwards through this sea of humanity. Would you rather have a stroller or not have a stroller and why oh see i didn't think that was the question that you were going to ask i thought for sure you were going to ask what mode of transportation am i taking back to my resort oh that could be next week you never know yeah so you threw me off i was waiting and i in my head i was already starting to formulate my response depending on what resort i was staying at but you threw me for a loop. So um, did you like my stall tactic while I just rambled trying to figure out what I'm going to say? <laughs> yeah, that was good. I think you've bought an adequate amount of time and now uh, <laughs> the world wants to know what you think. All right. So I think is it depends an answer because here because here's where I'm at with that. If it's just me and I'm by myself, it's no stroller because I can you know weave in and out of people pretty effectively if it's just me. But the chances of it just being me inside of Magic Kingdom are slim to none. So I'm probably going to have my wife, my kids, and or other family members with me. And if, if it's if it's a big group, I found that it's easier to navigate after a fireworks performance with a stroller. And here's why. It's almost like just a head of steam. If you can get that stroller going, people will move out of the way. And if not, you, you'll clip their heels. So most people are aware of that. And so they'll move out of the way. And once one person moves out of the way, the next person moves out of the way and the next person moves out of the way. And you kind of just create this path 
naturally through where you're trying to go with the stroller. So the stroller is inevitably at the front of the line. And then the rest of my party is behind me and I kind of clear the path and everyone can follow along right behind me as we kind of make our way out of the park exit. So if it were me and I had my Drathers, I would be, I would have the stroller with me with my family. But if I was by myself, I'm going to say no stroller. Hmm. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you definitely ram people with your stroller. If oh, with, without a doubt, because here's where I'm at. If you don't expect that when you're at Walt Disney World, especially if you're just going to like stand idle in the middle of a walkway, then you deserve to get your heels nipped a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to cut in front of me or if you're gonna, just going to stand there or if you're going to walk slow intentionally, then I'm, I'm probably going to bang up against your your heels more than likely but i I will caveat that i'm just not gonna go kamikaze on people and just you know intentionally try to ram their heels if they've got nowhere to go like so if it's a dense crowd and everybody's just kind of sidestepping and can't really move i'm not going to just continually ram into the back of someone but yeah if it's if it's semi-open and you cut me off or you just decide to stop i'm 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 probably going to run into the back of you. If I'm, I'm just being honest. You're going to do what you got to do. What would you, if you had say like a four-year-old and that's all you had. So it's someone you could easily put on your shoulders. Would you rather weave through with a kid on your shoulders or you'd rather have that stroller to use the uh, power maneuver that you're describing? Man, that's a good question. I, I think if I have the four-year-old, I'm going to have the stroller anyway. Yeah, that's true. Putting them on my shoulders really isn't going to make one bit of difference other than it's going to make me more tired. So if, if I've got the four-year-old, I'm putting them in the stroller and we're, we're going. The, yeah. the only way maybe that I wouldn't do that is if I had someone else, because I wouldn't do it, that wanted to like carry the folded up stroller and just bob and weave in and out of traffic. Because I could throw the four-year-old on my shoulders and, and make pretty good haste moving in and out of the crowd. And if someone else wanted to pick up the stroller and carry it over their head, then they could probably make pretty good pace in and out of the crowd but nobody yeah. really wants to do that so yeah. i'm I, I think i've made up my mind i'm staying stroller full steam ahead stroller full steam ahead and if i'm hearing you correctly in, in a vacuum if it was just you and you could pick to have a stroller to ram people with or just bob and weave you would bob and weave yeah i don't just want to be that guy you know i don't i don't yeah. have my heart's desire to just ram people with my stroller but if I've got my family and I'm trying to get out of the Magic Kingdom, I'm not going to be uh, remiss to hit someone in the back of the foot. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I kind of come down on the same way. I think I do think by myself or maybe with one kid, I can weave faster than I can with the stroller. But um, the reality is, a lot of times we have the stroller. So I don't know if you've ever got frustrated by this, but in Magic Kingdom specifically, the trolley lines that kind of go right down the middle of Main Street. You can, you can get your stroller wheel stuck in, it's like basically getting stuck in a rut right there. And it can be very frustrating. Magic Kingdom's just tough to navigate when it's crowded. It was, you know, it's just, it's an old park and it's that, that, that main street USA right there is just not that wide when it's a 10 out of 10 crowd day. Well, so two things to say on that. A lot of times they will open up kind of the behind the main street buildings. Yes. I've seen that a couple of times. The other thing that I'll say is not only have I gotten my stroller stuck on those trolley car lines, I've twisted my ankle in that thing. It is deep. 
So yeah. if you catch your foot in it the wrong way, you could go down easily. And I've I've caught a twisted ankle in one of those things, and it is not fun. Yeah, it, it really kind of forces you to just stay in your lane if you've got a stroller at Magic Kingdom. It's just hard to cut across that thing uh, all that easily. So these are important things that you and I enjoy talking about. So I just I wanted to get your opinion. Well, it's a great question because here's the other thing. A lot of people listening to our podcast either have, haven't been in a long time or – are taking their kids for the first time. And these are questions that they have. And so I'm happy to answer them and also happy to say that it is per the norm to hit people in the back of the foot with your stroller if you're in Walt Disney World. It's just something that you have to expect. Yeah, that's part of the experience. I don't know. Have you ever rented a Walt Disney World stroller? I can't imagine having a stroller with a sleeping child and then having to like go drop it off at the front gate before you leave. I'm not even exactly sure how it works. Yeah, you, we have, we haven't in a long time. We did it when we took an extended family trip. And so we had some cousins and, and other folks with us. And so we did rent a stroller there and you know, it's, it's easy. It is a pain because you got to get the kids out uh, once you get to guest relations there at the front of the park. So, you know, it's, it's pretty much all the same until you actually exit those turnstiles and you go to drop off the stroller and you got to get the kids out and unload it and you know it's a it's a pain too and the stroller rentals at Walt Disney World aren't easy to maneuver so the actual strollers themselves they're very yeah. bulky and cumbersome and hard to kind of navigate in tough crowds so you know if you're looking for something easy and something that's um, efficient to navigate in the parks I'd almost consider renting a stroller from a third party when you're in Orlando and not necessarily renting the ones that you get at the theme parks. Yeah, I agree. And I think now that I think about it, I think I could talk for a while about strollers. We might even have to build a full, you know, half a show out of it. Yeah. Who knows? Question is maybe it's the next question of the episode episode. We talk about strollers. Yeah. You just never know. <laughs> All right. Great question. So let's move on to the main topic and that's actually the tower of topics. There was a lot of Disney news released this week, so we wanted to kind of hit the the news cycle, if you will, and keep you guys up to date on the things that we care about and the things that Disney has released to all of the park guests. And so the main thing that was released, and it was some pretty significant news, was that Epcot is getting some new things, some new facelifts happening to it over the course of the next couple of years. And so the first thing that we'll talk about is this new play pavilion that they have released and have started to talk about. And I, you know, when I first heard about this play pavilion, I immediately thought of Disney Quest. Griffin, did you ever go to Disney Quest? Never went. Never went. So it was uh, Downtown Disney at the time. It's no longer called Downtown Disney. Obviously, it's Disney Springs. But when, when Disney Springs was called Downtown Disney, there was this huge interactive arcade area building that was called Disney Quest. And you could go on 3D magic carpet rides. There was all kinds of arcade games and and interactive games, you know, the kind that you kind of get in the tank and shoot tennis balls at people. And so there were all kinds of things. It was really, really a cool, cool place to hang out, especially kind of those rainy day activities. So when they released this play area at Epcot, that's immediately what I thought of. So When you start to dig into the details a little bit, it's going to be over at the Wonders of Life Pavilion, which is kind of on the side where Mission Space is. So right behind Mission Space, there used to be a pavilion called the Wonders of Life, and it was all about the human anatomy and discovery and and how the body works and Captain Cranium. That was one of my, or Cranium Command, that's what it was called. It was one of my favorite rides. It was similar to Star Tours, except it, you shrunk down to the size of 
a microbiology organism and infiltrated the human body and went all it, it was a whole thing it, it was a web favorite of mine anyway sounds like something i'd like yeah you being the doctor that you are i'm, I'm sure you would but anyway uh this new play area is going to be over there and when they started to release some of the pictures about it 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 reminds me very much of wreck it ralph so think that theming that kind of interactive play and gaming disney did unveil that there would be interactive experiences with disney's characters and hands-on activities as well as some entertainment options so that's coming down the pike griffin does that sound something that you would get fired up about uh, i'm excited to see what it turns out to be and i this doesn't happen that much these days at Disney, but this, you know, this is not, I guess it's replacing something that used to be there, but you know, that building's basically been non-functioning now for a good while. So, you know, it's only an addition from my standpoint. So uh, I'm excited to see it. I think uh, of the stuff I read, I'm interested in kind of the city aspect of it. It sounds like it's going to, like you said, kind of the Wreck-It Ralph shrunken down city, you know, feel to it. Um, so I mentioned that I'm also interested in, kind of the character meet and greets mixed in with all this other stuff and how that, how that will work. You know, will they, will they relocate the inside out characters and Baymax over there to this, you know, pavilion or this building. So there, there's a lot of moving parts there, but uh, overall I'm, I'm pleased to hear about it. Yeah. I don't know that it's something that I necessarily get super fired up about, but I'll, I'll be, you know, pleasantly surprised if it's something that, you know, my children enjoy and something that we can look forward to in our next trips. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I don't want to go to Disney World to go to like a children's museum, if that makes sense, you know, like that every city has of just kind of different interactive exhibits. I mean, that I can get that in a lot of places besides Disney World. But if they make it uniquely Disney um, and bring like the Disney magic to it, then I would say it's got potential. Yeah. The other thing that Epcot and Disney released this week was changes to the main entrance over at Epcot. So there are a lot of things kind of going on over in that Epcot pavilion. You have the new Guardians of the Galaxy ride that's coming over kind of in that front area of the park in Future World. And we've talked about it before on the podcast, and I think we actually talked about it in a Tower of Topics episode. But Spaceship Earth is going to be, you know, down for refurbishment for a couple of years coming up soon and announced yet this week along with that is a complete renovation to the entrance of the theme park of the epcot theme park and so i don't know if you guys been have been recently but when you kind of walk in there's a lot of i'll just say concrete areas there's a lot of you know pavers and kind of planters and then they have these, I don't even know what you call them. Do you know what those, leave a legacy? Yeah, like the little monuments almost. Monuments, that's a good word. It, it's, they're leave a legacy photos, but the photos are like on a this metal cast iron thing, but they're kind of like engraved on this huge structure, but they're, they're all over the front of the park. Those are going to be taken away. There's going to be a new fountain that is... Um, going to be rebuilt there there's a, a fountain there currently but it's kind of small compared to the kind of rest of the area around there so they're going to redo the fountain they're going to add all kinds of new um, foliage and uh, a new way to enter the park and so i think there's going to be a lot of changes to that front of the park considering all the new things that are coming to epcot in the coming years when you think of again the guardians of the galaxy roller coaster we just talked about the new interactive play area over at wonders of life if you remember they've got a new space themed restaurant coming over there um in between 
uh, Mission to Space and Test Track. So there's a lot of things kind of happening at that front of the park. And I think, um, if memory serves me correctly, a lot of that is going to be done before the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. So a lot of things coming in a short amount of time over at Epcot. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I, I love Epcot and I love the entrance to Epcot already. I just, it has a great feel to it. It has great music, you know, Spaceship Earth, uh, you know, right there in your background. So the fact that they're going to make that better is, is very exciting to me. Yeah, I'm looking for, that's one thing that I am looking forward to. I think that will be a, a much needed facelift to that area of the park. So I can't wait to see what Disney does for that. And, you know, I'm also under the impression that Disney does a lot of things right and so I'm not going to get too worked up about, you know, touching the nostalgia of, you know, the Leva Legacy monuments and, and things like that. Because whatever Disney decides to do, more often than not, you look back on it and you're like, oh, yeah, it is better now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, th- you, as much as we all love to give our opinions, I think you just got to let these things play their play themselves out. I mean, obviously, they're, they're paying people a lot of money to make these decisions and, and make good decisions. Yeah, all right, moving on. We got just a few more um, news updates to to share with you guys. The next thing I want to talk about is the new DVC resort. So Disney Coronado Springs is uh, teaming up with the sister resort that's been kind of, you know, under construction for a while now. And it's going to be actually be ready for guests here pretty soon, actually this fall. It's called Disney's Riviera Resort, and it'll be the 15th Disney Vacation Club Resort. And what they actually released this week was a kind of look at what amenities are going to be available there at that resort. And so you're going to have a kid's splash zone area that will have theming from Disney's Fantasia. There also will be a tower slide that will be in their main pool. And the theming of all of that, think European theming, almost think when you see the renderings, I almost think of the Bellagio out in Las Vegas. It kind of has that grandiose, elegant type of theming to it, which Fantasia, the, the Fantasia characters will play nicely into that. There also will be a lawn area where you'll be able to watch movies at night and they'll do kids activities. And then the last thing that they released is the terminal station that will actually be right beside the resort for the new gondola system. Gotcha. So this is the Riviera and Coronary Springs will share a gondola you know, station. Is that what our understanding of it is? Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be easily accessible between both resorts. I do think that it'll probably be a little bit closer to the Riviera Resort just because of the size of that resort and the amenities associated with that resort. But I think, you know, it'll service both of those hotels. Yeah, that's exciting. I I was thinking, you know, where will the longest gondola ride be? And the ride from there to kind of the hub of this thing around Epcot and Hollywood Studios, that may be, as far as distance, that that should be up there, right? You you would know better than I would as far as length from Coronado Springs over to over to Epcot. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure to be honest with you. That's actually a, a good question because as much as I've, you know, seen pictures and read and then, you know, the last time we were down there had seen kind of the the gondola structures being erected, it's still kind of for me at least personally, it's still kind of hard to see what that route will look like. And I don't know, I haven't been able to make sense of it in my head to know if it is going from this station to this hotel and then that hotel to the next hotel and then that hotel to the next hotel. Or if you could just hop on a gondola at Hollywood Studios and go straight to Riviera Resort. So that's what's in my head as far as, you know, what's going to be the easiest way to navigate. But that actually does is a 
fantastic segue into another bit of news is they've actually started testing all of the gondolas. They're actually running uh, full steam right now. Obviously, nobody's occupying them, but they're all covered. They're running them constantly throughout the day at the Walt Disney World resorts to kind of get used to the traffic patterns, if you will, and then making sure that they have adequate um, structures in place for weather. And so, you know, it, there were some storms down there a couple weeks ago or a couple days ago, rather, and, the, and they were running them all through that and it didn't seem to be affected at all. So I think they're kind of trying to work out all the kinks and test them before they start releasing them for use later on this year. Yeah, that's uh, you and I both continue to be, you know, bullish and, and quite excited about this as, you know, the next big thing Disney's doing in transportation. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, I, so much of my like perception of how close different hotels are to different parks you know, has to do with the roads, you know, you're riding the buses and that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, I can look at a map, but you know, once you get on a gondola, you know, and you're no longer having to follow road signs, you know, who knows, it may have a different feel to it entirely on what's close and what's not close. Yeah, you're right. And then I think the other thing that'll be interesting about the gondolas is that you're going to start to get a bird's eye view of some of the areas of the parks just like you said, you're not going to be confined to a bus out to Animal Kingdom. That's a bad example because the gondolas aren't even going there. Yeah, you will continue to be confined to a bus. Yeah, you, you will. But you won't be confined. I guess the better point is you aren't, you're not going to be confined to a bus riding from Coronado Springs to Hollywood Studios. Right. Or Coronado Springs to Epcot. You'll be able to kind of get a bird's eye view of, of what that distance actually looks like and probably a little bit of a view into some of the areas of the park that you otherwise wouldn't see from an aerial perspective. So I think that'll be cool too. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I imagine this will be seen as an attraction almost for at least a while, as far as when people go down there, you know, especially people that are Disney enthusiasts, they're going to want to ride that no matter what and check out every hub. So it'll, it'll be busy, I'm sure. Yeah, sure. And so our last bit of news that we want to get to is about ride heights. So all of you with children, get out your tape measures. If you're planning on going to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at the end of this year or perhaps in 2020 or anything beyond that, get your tape measures out because you'll want to measure those children because this week Disney released the height requirements for the new Millennium Falcon ride that will be in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And that height requirement is 40 inches. So there's a lot of rides similar to that currently in the Walt Disney World theme park resort areas. So nothing kind of unusual about that at all, but just wanted to make sure that people were aware as they're getting ready to go on that trip, especially if they're going to be down there during kind of the first part of that new theme park area that their kids will be tall enough to ride the ride and they're not going to leave disappointed. Yeah, I think that's a good height. I, I mean, making a general statement here, but that seems to be around when you're a four-year-old and you know in my mind you know, there's certainly four-year-olds that will know what star wars is and younger than that probably less so so i think it's a good number where hopefully no one's going to be left out you know that would otherwise want to ride a millennium falcon ride yeah i think i'm with you i think that's a, a pretty good and realistic height requirement they said that there were some drops on that ride so that's probably the reason for the height restriction but I don't think that anyone inherently is going to miss out on that ride from an age perspective. Because when you when you kind of think about it, how old can one be to truly appreciate Star Wars? At what age does that happen? And, and I would say, you know, I, I started 
my kids pretty early it, it, with their love and affection for Star Wars. So, you know, it can happen at a young age, but I think my daughter was well beyond 40 inches when she developed that affinity to, to have a desire to ride an attraction like that. Yeah, I agree. I'm just glad it wasn't like a flight of passage, you know, a higher inch requirement where you're four to six age kids, you know, can't be involved. So I think that's good news for me. Yeah. All right. That kind of wraps up kind of the news portion of, of this episode. But without leaving the news world completely, we wanted to spend a couple of minutes and really talk through how we get our news and what things that we look for or go out to the internet or Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or where are we going to kind of stay up to date? Because obviously Griffin and I don't live in Orlando. We're not at Walt Disney World every day. So we're not getting to witness firsthand a lot of this stuff. We get it secondhand from from news sources. And so Griffin's going to walk us through some of the things that we look at on a probably daily basis. And then I'll chime in with some of the things that are particular to maybe me and, and Griffin will share some of the stuff that he really enjoys too. So, so Griffin, tell us a little bit about what do we look for when we're looking for, you know, places to get Disney news. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this was if you Google Disney World or Disney World planning, the amount of websites that are going to come back to you are kind of overwhelming. And I can't say that I've read all of them, but I do think it's, I I just think it's interesting anytime I meet, you know, another Disney enthusiast to kind of find out what their go-to, you know, websites are for information or touring strategies and that sort of thing. So that's kind of what I wanted to bring it up um, for was just to see kind of where where we both landed. I'm sure we have some stuff that's similar, some stuff that's different. But yeah, why don't you start out by doing this? Why can you tell me and the listeners what's your daily rotation, for lack of a better word? You know, I think if you're like me and you got a few extra minutes, there's probably a couple of websites I check most every day um, or maybe it's social media. But how do you how do you get your Disney news on a day to day basis? Yeah, so I've got three that I, I check pretty regularly, probably daily, if not multiple times a day. The first one, and it's my go-to, is WDWNT, which stands for Walt Disney World News Today. And it is just that. It is hardcore Disney news release. If there is a new menu item, if there is a new snack available, merchandise, park plans released, opening dates of things... Walt Disney World News Today is is going to cover it. So not only their website, but their Twitter handle. I follow them, and they're probably my number one go-to as far as anything Disney news. The other two I frequent probably once a day. (laughs) One of them you'll appreciate, Griffin, is the Disney Food Blog. Uh So it is all food all the time, and I really get uh, a kick out of it and enjoy just what what new things are happening as far as the culinary aspect of Walt Disney World. I shameless plug as well you know i've actually done a couple of guest blogs for them so i have a vested interest if you will absolutely yeah so that's another one and then the last one is just the disneyblog.com and so it's not as uh, informative it's it's more of a editorial if you will it's something that i enjoy reading and, and checking on a daily basis everybody like you said everybody has their routine when they get into the office or open up their laptop for the first time during the day they kind of log on and check their email and check the weather and you know for me it's i check these three disney websites yeah okay i'll have to remember that last one there i haven't used that one quite as much so i definitely agree with you the wdwnt is a great news source and and like you said it's really not there's not a whole lot of opinion there or you know touring strategy but it's just a great place to know 
you're not missing anything. You know, if there's a piece of Disney news, it'll be there. If there's a Disney rumor, it'll probably be on there. So um, you're never going to fall behind if you're you know, kind of checking in there. Um, from there, the ones that I enjoy, just to kind of give different examples from what you have said, um, I'll definitely go to touringplans.com, um, which we've mentioned several times on the show. And I think they're, uh, I, guess, I don't know what you call it, they're forums, you know, where they're, where it, you know, the chat sessions, those can be interesting if you look at uh, threads there. And then while I'm thinking about it, you know, the DIS boards, DIS boards, um, if you're really wanting to go down a rabbit hole with a kind of a unique question that's not going to be covered by like a major blog post, you can, I don't know if you've noticed this, if you Google something obscure about Disney World with fast passes or especially if you're looking for some sort of loophole, usually your first search results are going to be coming off the Diz boards. Um, so I, I know you've been on there before. Yeah, I have. I'm not a huge fan of the Diz boards. They are super informative if you know where to look. The problem is it's really hard to know where to look on the Diz boards. You can get lost really easily and it's not the easiest website to navigate. So if I can avoid it, I do. I do want to mention just really quickly though, because you brought up touring plans. Yeah. In order to read the touring plans forum, you don't you don't have to actually subscribe to touring plans. Right. So we've talked about in the past that in order to take advantage of touring plans, park planning strategies or crowd calendars, we have mentioned that you can buy a subscription to that. But in order to access these forums, all you have to do is create an account. You don't necessarily have to subscribe to touring plans in order to view that. So that's something that everybody has access to along with the disboards. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, the the forum's good. And I think the the touring plans blog, you know, if you just Google that, it will have some, some nice articles as well. And I, I don't think you have to be a member for that. Yeah. And disboards, just to put a bow on that, I completely agree with you. I honestly don't I never find myself typing in disboards and just going there. But what I found is if I have a unique question, like does a pre-park opening Tusker House ADR get me into Pandora easier? Something just very specific like that. If I find myself Googling that, usually it's going to take you to a disboards post. So that's a good way to just hone in exactly on what you want. Uh, the other two that I like, and these are just where sometimes it just comes down to what you enjoy and what you know gives you pleasure when it comes to reading about this sort of thing. But I, I do enjoy easywdw.com, um, which has been around for a long time. And the reason I like that website is if you're just looking for like hardcore touring strategies, um, you can find some really nice articles on there that'll basically compare and contrast what it's like to get to the front of Magic Kingdom at eight o'clock versus 810 versus 820, you know, and just play out basically rope drop strategies. So uh, I can completely nerd out on those sort of articles. I mean, there'll be an entire article on how to rope drop Magic Kingdom from eight to nine or something like that. And I can get into that. Do you ever do you ever frequent theirs at all? I don't, to be honest. It's not one of the ones that's in my rotation. Okay, well, uh, it just depends on what you enjoy. I mean, they also do a lot of like dessert parties and you know any new menu item, they're going to do an exhaustive review on it. I don't get into that stuff quite as much just because I'm not down there as frequently, but... If you're looking for up-to-date info on how to attack a park, uh, you can't you can't do better than 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 their kind of up-to-date articles. So I really like that one, and then the other one I read more just because I really respect the opinions that come out of it, and I'm entertained by it. Is the Disney Tourist Blog, and and Tom that writes there um, is one of my favorites to read. He's he's not afraid to share his opinion, but his opinion is usually spot on, and he's been a Disney fan for a long time, so. Yeah, he has a nice job of giving you news, but then he'll also give you his commentary on it. So I think that I enjoy. He also has some really great 
kind of like countdown list or top 10 list, you know, stuff that you would totally get into, but you know, like top 10 Disney uh, background music throughout the parks and they'll, he'll count down like his favorite background musics in different places. So things like that, that um, just are really enjoyable to read. And sometimes I, I learn a lot of stuff there too, about, you know, how to attack a park or, you know, a restaurant or something that I might otherwise not try. So that's another one I lean on pretty heavily. Yeah. I think that's, that's great. I have visited his blog before and I, I have found it pretty informative. So I would definitely keep that one in the rotation. I did want to mention though, as we're talking through this, a lot of the things that we have mentioned have Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts as well. And so if you're one that's on your, your phone a lot, or if you're scrolling through Twitter or, or Instagram or whatever, and you don't necessarily want to pop over to, to your Chrome browser and look up these websites, give a follow to these folks on Twitter and Instagram too, because a lot of times those Twitter handles are just reposting the informations that are out on their websites. And so if you're following them on Twitter, you'll get your news feed that way too. In fact, a lot of the times that's where I'm getting my news is either from Instagram or Twitter. So I, I just recommend that too, that a lot of that can be done uh, via those social media platforms as well. Yeah, you're spot on with that. I think uh, in a lot of ways you can use Twitter to do all this even more efficiently. So if you follow the right people, you get you a group of Disney people you trust, you could just check there and if there's something important, they'll link to it um, and you can just use that as your platform you know, to, to check in throughout the day. Yeah, that's great advice. I do. I'm. I'm. Want to throw you a curveball, Griffin? Okay. Because we didn't talk about this, but I. It's something that I've been doing recently that I've. I've really enjoyed, and I think that there are people that listen to our podcast that would enjoy this as well. But let me ask you a question. What What do you do throughout the course of the day if you are? missing a little bit of Disney magic. What is something that you do to capture that kind of either in the car or at home or at work? Is there anything that you do that, that kind of helps you relive any of that magic? Uh, that's a good question. So, I mean, sometimes reading this article, these articles, uh, I'll, is part of that, you know, I don't, if I don't have a trip imminently planned, there's really no good reason why I need to be reading an in-depth article on rope dropping Hollywood studios because all that's going to be shot and completely redone, you know, when galaxy's edge open. So I'm, I'm just reading for pleasure at that point, not really to be informed on something I need. So, um, that's, that's one way I think we both, uh, have pumped up the idea of getting Disney background music off YouTube. I, I'm always up for that. You know, if you get a good, you know, get a little Epcot entrance music going in the morning to get the family moving. Um, so those are things I like me and the kids will, you know, talk about rides sometimes, just especially as a, as a trip's really coming up, we'll, we'll do it more. Those are the kind of things I'll do throughout the day, you know, or I can just, you know, suppress my sadness um, that I'm not there and not talk about it. No, the one, the second thing you mentioned is exactly where I was going to go because we were talking about social media platforms and where we get our news. You know, a lot of times when I'm at work in my office or even at home, I'll pull up YouTube and I will search Magic Kingdom loop music or Polynesian resort music or Midway Mania theme songs or anything Disney related in loop music. And really what that gets you is the background music to whatever area of that park that you've researched. And so I was at work today, for instance. And I think my list started at Disney's Grand Californian in Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And it was about an hour of background music for that resort. And then it switched over to the Magic Kingdom. It was about an hour for that. And then it 
switched over to Epcot in about an hour of that. And it's just constant, just in the background, kind of the Disney nostalgia. And so as I'm working, I'm, I'm listening to that music and it's got me thinking about, you know, boy, I really wish I had a Dole Whip right now or, or man, I really wish I could go hop on Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. So it's just fun things like that, that, you know, keep me at least entertained and at at bay while I wait for my next Disney trip. Yeah, I love it. All right, did we leave anything out on this episode of Tower of Topics? No, that was an adequate tower, I would say. We have indeed scaled the tower. Yes. All right, well, before we get out of here, we've mentioned social media platforms and where to follow, you know, people that we follow, but follow us while you're out there too. So go out on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And if you just search for Master the Mouse, you'll find us. Go out there and do that. Follow us, like us, comment on some of our posts, interact with us. We, we love interacting with you guys. We throw poll questions and, and post photos out there quite a bit. So do that. And if you have a minute and you're listening to us on your mobile device, if you'll go out to iTunes and rate and review us, We'd greatly appreciate that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on behalf of Master the Mouse podcast and Griffin, I'm Aaron, and we'll see you real soon. See you guys.